With the crazy world we live in today, many of us seek the adventure of the unknown. Join us everyday Aussies from all walks of life, share stories from hunting camps around the world. From tips and techniques to the emotional rollercoaster ride of fulfilling a lifelong dream, there is a story to be told by all. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Yeah, well, we talked about that earlier this morning. Like birds, birds are the biggest thing. You don't realise how many birds you upset. Those birds are telling everything else in that area that there's something not right. Yeah, right. Okay. All right, so start paying attention to that. Those little things, and it mightn't be those noisy miners or or like the possum birds, cockies that yeah that just screech and carry on. It might be them little birds chirping, like just them little ones that whistles or they carry on. And it might only carry 50, 60 yards, but that's. That the way they're carrying on is just upsetting everything else in the, you know, in the vicinity. Well, not upsetting, but it's alerting everything else in the vicinity. Sorry, the we got deer. The, the boys are seeing deer and they're all getting excited. <laughs> well, um, more binoculars up than. <laughs> I think you've you've probably moved us into a pretty good conversation actually. So this will come out um, first week of March. So we're obviously going into deer season. Um, I guess a lot of. Today's conversations have been around the deer rut and what's upcoming and all that kind of stuff. So I guess, and that's probably why I was going to get Mick to grab the mic um, if he wants to, but. If he wants to. No, he's forced to now. Ah, it'll only burn once. Um, so I guess, firstly, firstly, I, I just probably on behalf of everyone, Mick, um, appreciate that obviously offering you know these boys to run these kind of courses and have everyone together because without guys like you property owners and that you know these guys and myself included don't learn um as quick as what we have all have today so just a massive thanks for um you know having all the boys here so appreciate that um what i want to jump in with was obviously we're, we're starting to like you guys seen a buck this morning you know you, there's a bit of signs starting around like how does the next, so as I said, this will come out first week of March. How does the rest of March look for you as far as deer activity? Maybe someone that's just gone onto a fallow block. We'll talk fallow probably to... What? Oh, Mick's gone. <laughs> so lucky his brother's Chris there because um, <laughs> obviously he's got the bigger balls of the two. Uh, <laughs> what's your instant title? Yeah. <laughs> what's that? State your instant title. Chris, what's your instant title? So, um... Yeah, so what we found uh, from about the, I've heard them croaking here on the 11th of March, which is very early, but what we find is they sort of, the bucks push out on their own around that time. Younger bucks get more involved. Um, rattling's a good good plan in March. All them bucks are out by themselves. They're all a little bit interested in what we're doing. Um, they start making scrapes. And then probably by the end of March, sort of 24th, 25th is when they, really kick off a bit um and then back into that first week in april and then fellow hunters always work on that hundredth day of the year when they really go off so but march is always a good time to get out and have a look and you don't see a lot of big fellas but they're there but yeah scrapes and rattling it's always a good idea in march yep yep so smitty um and anyone else wants to jump in too um including yourself chris and you want it, mate. Um, the, the silent mix. <laughs> how how do you obviously with that kind of movement as as it goes through? Um, do you want to jump? Um, I'll just finish the question, then we can jump in. Um, as that cycle goes through, you said you know obviously you know the bigger fellas are arriving later that hundredth day, that kind of stuff. But you know big fellas still get shot early. Like how does 
your hunt plans sort of play out over the next few weeks, say the first or the, the last half of March, so to speak? Yeah, so pretty much the last half of March, we'll work out where the, the hot scrapes are starting or the, the scrapes really kick in towards the end of March. Yep. Um, and they then give us an idea of then what what areas we're going to hunt. <clears throat> and and it's only that we're learning every year what, what the bucks are doing. And the last few years, uh, we, we really started to um, understand this place particularly, and only because we're here yep, 365 days a year. Yep. Um, and then, like Chris said, you know, the, the bigger bucks are there. They're just not as vocal or, or showing. And then um, coming up to that mid-April, that 100th day of year, the, you know, the 9th, 10th, 11th of April, where they really kick in um, and just go berserk, is is prime opportunity, you know, especially for a bow hunter, to, to get in and, and have a crack. Um, depending on, like, you know, last, last season, it was a great and a wet year and the bucks pushed the doe, and the, they didn't have to come out into the open as much. So the bucks pushed the does back up into the, the thicker, heavier gullies. And that's from a feed perspective, what the feed was up in. So the, yeah, the and there's plenty of feed in. up there, so they yep. don't need to come down. Yep. So um, so that made made hunting pretty tough. But, um, but it, you know, and, and a lot closer encounters, I suppose, in regards to, you know, trying to get a shot especially in some of that thicker stuff. Whereas I think this year, being, it's been a lot drier the last couple of months. Um, and, and you know, touch wood that the bucks, you know, they're starting to show already. Um, and we're only you know, into February. And they'll, they'll um, you know, hopefully be out a little bit more in the open rather than in the thicker stuff. So I guess if you can describe the sort of property, like it's, we're probably, we're sitting down fairly low sort of low country but it's pretty hilly and a lot of scrub up there isn't it so yeah so yeah they were so sort of staying up there last year weren't they you know when i was here they, they were so where where feet. we're sitting now is 750 meters above sea level um the property goes up to just over a thousand about a thousand fifty meters um and in between and pretty just it's not i wouldn't call it ste uh, steep it's just hilly and, and lots of gullies, um, perfect for bow hunting, absolutely perfect because it's, it's got a good mix of, you know, open country and, and cover that you can get close. Um, and, you know, and where, where the, the bucks were last year were pretty much up in the, in the higher parts of the, the gullies, which, you know, and, and again, it makes it tough because you're, you're trying to work your way up. Um, and the wind, the wind <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the thermals are pushing up, and you know makes it makes it pretty 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 tough hunting. Um, whereas you know if they if they come down a bit lower this year, which you know I'm expecting that will happen, um, it, you know it might make it. Uh, you know, it's not easy. No, nothing's easy with a bow and arrow. Yeah, the biggest the biggest thing like we we noticed in last year they just didn't travel, Mick, did they? No, didn't need to travel. Like, because the feed was there, the water was there, everything was there. Whereas in previous years, harder years, they had to travel from the bedding areas to the feeding areas, and mm -hmm. they were travelling, like, maybe 2K. Yeah. Last well, that, year, last that, year they weren't even travelling 500 yards. That's what I found, because I hunted. Yeah. Yeah. I hunted here last year, and you guys were all saying, oh, you know, they 
I'll travel down and stuff like that. And we spent a couple of days down low, you know, not trying to spook anything, but they actually didn't. They just stayed up, sort of. Yeah, we know, did. Which made it good because by the time we got up there and got them worked out, as you said, like a lot easier to get to them and get closer to them mm. because there's a bit more scrub, a bit, you know, it's open enough that you can, like, perfect bowing. Yep. country yeah like very you can much spot so. them you got heaps of heaps of cover to get in but not too much that you can't get a shot you know and and you know when you when you find a hot scrape and you know we had six or eight hot scrapes throughout the place last year um you know if you can position it if you scare a buck off a scrape he's going to come back you know it might might be 10 minutes it might be an hour but he will come back or another buck will come in onto that scrape so um my, my, the way I, I hunt myself is I'll just sit off that scrape and just wait, you know. And, um, you know, a, a lot of, I suppose, social media, they talk about, oh, you know, I did 50 kilometres in a day and all this type of stuff. But that's just, just rubbish. You know, you don't need to do that here. Um, it's being patient and, um, you know, and a lot of the times I think Smithy and I, we did a hunt last year the furthest we walked was 500 metres and we saw yeah you know, a dozen bucks yep. in 500 metres yep. you know so you, you don't you don't you, yeah it is <laughs> age is a bit of oh yeah yeah age is a barrier too <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't saving Chris but yeah uh, anyway <laughs> yeah you know so you, you don't you don't need to go and, you know but but when but honestly when we first bought this place eight years ago um, we'd race out the back because that's where we thought all the yeah. you know the big deer were um, but a lot of the time, you didn't you didn't have to. Hey, you're, you're walk, walking past deer to find deer. Yeah, exactly right. And and that's and that's the beauty of this place is, you know, I, I tell the hunters you don't need to walk out the back. You know, you're hunting as soon as you leave this hut. Yeah. Well, that's what Smithy was saying last night before we went out this morning. Like we're not going to go early because we're going to be kicking deer out in the dark if we're doing that. Yeah. Why would you do that? You know. If we're kicking them out in the dark and they're making noise, they're just alerting everything else. Yeah, in spread the next lot, isn't it? There's danger coming, you yeah. know. So. It's, it's like where I took you up on the chittle, mate. I was just about to say the same thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it's if, pointless going in early. Well, well there's, there's places where you can, like game rich areas, if you go in too early, mm. you, you kick up a lot. There's, there's two things to the story. Like, if you get up early and walk up this hill with a head torch on, you just don't stop, just hammer, because you can't see anything anyway. Put your torch on so you don't trip over anything. Just get to where you want to get. You're going to put stuff up, but I don't think it's going to stir the pot too much, right? Yep. The only thing you're going to do is put scent down, right? And then that might determine what crosses going back to the bedding areas. It yep. might stop those stuff in the lower areas getting to their bedding areas for the arvo, yep. all right? The other side of things, if you wait a bit later, like up north where we used to do the chittle, mm -hmm. You're driving out. This is where I come in and plant ABC down to LMNOP. Because what you had in your head you're going to do, you're driving out and all of a sudden you see a, you see a big fella and it changes, doesn't it? It's all of a sudden A, B and C are out of the question. You're down to, like... You made a new one. <laughs> yeah. When you restart, like, yeah, okay, now we have to go. Yeah, but you, you know what I'm saying. So game-rich areas are a little bit different to... Areas where you're only seeing the odd deer. So you've got to keep that in consideration when we're talking what we're talking now. Can I, I'll break it down a little bit more. Smithy, you've just, you've met Mick, you've got, you've got access. Um, you know there's a few deer here, like that's obvious, yeah. you know. 
Um, so, you know, you know the area. Um, you don't really know the block. You've got a bit of an idea because Mick's, you know, he, he's got a bit of a hunter's mindset. So he knows sort of, he's like, yeah. hey, mate, that valley. What's your first sort of, you know, what's your weekend plan? Like your, your mid-March, about the 14th of March. You tell Mick, oh, there's no deer here, mate. Yeah. You know, don't, don't worry about getting anyone else on. Um, I'll just, you know. What, the plan is <laughs> I'll knock the only couple yeah, over, like, you know. For someone that's just got access to right. a block, because I think that's the I if think you, the biggest struggle say is... Say game, access to a block, right? Yeah. So you've got to work out whether the block's hilly, flat, what it can be, right? If you can cover it with a vehicle, put less sand on the ground, glass from a vehicle, at certain vantage points, do it from a vehicle just to learn the block. Do it at the right time of days where you see early mornings, late arvos. If you've got, if you've got the time to do it, do it early morning, late arvos, so you can see what's moving where. If you've got to walk it, try and look on... Google, Earth, or whatever you use, Onyx, whatever you want. Look for those places or those open ridges that'll allow you to glass A, B, C, D, and E. What's going on? <laughs> no, but I'm just sort of saying, like, you want to, like this morning, I took the Min boys minimise up. Minimise your scent. Yeah. You know, when you first Minimise start. your scent to start with. If it's flat country, you've got to drive to see. Hilly country, look for your vantage points to locate animals, to see where shit's moving from A to B. Work out if they, and then, it all depends on the amount of time. If you've got four days there, a week there, that's gonna, that's gonna be different if you've got two days there or one day there. If you've only got one day there, you've gotta hunt aggressively. Because you've got, you've got one day to get shit done. If you've got a week there, don't blow the, blow the whole place. If it's only, like if it's 1,500 acres, 2,000 acres, 500 acres, don't blow it all on the first morning because you've got nowhere to go. All you've done that first morning is push it out of their normal surroundings. You've upset them you, and you're, you're virtually on the backboard because you don't know, you don't know really where you're to go that afternoon, right? If you edge into a morning like, if you edge into a place like we did this morning, walked up this ridge, glassed, that ridge over there, glass that back valley, the surrounding hills, we've got an idea where those deer are going from A to B to C to D. And we've got, if we see something we want to hunt, well, then we can go back. And we've got time up our sleeve, we can go back the next morning and hunt that deer. We haven't pushed him, we haven't disturbed him. You know, but if you go in there gun ho and just walk everywhere, do your 20Ks, chuck her up on Insta saying, I've done 20Ks today, I fucking, you know. <laughs> I looked everywhere, fucking seen a heap of deer, but didn't <laughs> get any shots, you know here. what I mean? It's, I, a, it's a bit like, you know, if you've, as you said, Duke, if you've got one day, you've got to go hard. If you've got a week, you take it a little take bit easier. Take it easy, edge in. If, you've, if it's a spot where you go, you can go every weekend, then yep. you might not even hunt the first couple of weekends. You Use might just do your recon sort of stuff. Recon, mate. And then, yeah. you know, then make your plans. Yep. Learn that, that deer pattern or, you know, where they're going, where they feed and all that, because you can go out one day, and oh, they're doing this, and that's what you think they do every day, but it's not. Like they, I said, they got sent, they got spooked by some wild dogs or some shit, yeah. and so they've done something totally different. Write it, it down. Sort of write it down. Like, get a diary. If you're just starting out on a new place, write it down. Work out. Don't just write it down what you saw. Write it down. Good season, 20 degree, 25 degree day, 30 degree day, cloudy, sunny. Write it all in there, and then after two or three years, something will click with you. If if you've got an oust about you, something will click. And you think, fuck, this is just like back then. I'll go back through, check out your diary, and it might help you work out where you need to be, what you need to do. Because the diets change on these deer. If you've got crops in certain country, they're going to be 
on those crops at certain times of year. Next year, they might that cocky mightn't plant that same crop. It might be something different. Those deer, that deer doesn't like it. The sign's not there, so you've got to search elsewhere. I but, think that, the yeah. other thing that you said this morning that probably everyone should have taken notice if they didn't was look at look at the grass as it being nibbled. Look at the trees. Look at the browse line. That sort of stuff. See yeah. what they're eating at that time because yeah. it changes. Yeah. Those olives. You watch these. You know? Like I said, you watch these deer in the morning. They'll be down in the flat picking up that sweet grass and as they go up the hills to bed down they'll be starting to browse on different branches branch, yeah on roughage yep. on the way back take notice of what they're feeding on and you think fuck there's a lot of that over in that next gully you know and like hunt those areas where there's honestly you want to be hunting those areas where you see a lot of deer shit fresh old and new if you can see fresh old and new you know you're in the right spot they're there like well, they're there continuously like a lot more if you're only seeing fresh shit they might have only just come in there. If you only see an old shit, you're probably you're behind the eight ball. You you need to be looking somewhere else. They've been browsing on something that's not yeah. there anymore, not fruiting yeah. anymore. The food the food source is not there. There's somewhere Change. else. Change your gullies. Change your location if you've got the availability to do that. They're a bit shy, so we're just going to randomly select, and they can just ask it. Yep. Ask the question from today. So think, think about the question if it's uh, maybe something you've you just know, met, obviously planned some hunting. Look at you. <laughs> 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 um, it can be, can be, yeah, anything for today. But yeah, Maddie's gonna put the mic in front of you. So <laughs> Alex has got the best moustache of the weekend, hasn't he? Um, no? Once again, uh, in Instagram. Sorry, oh, <laughs> Dylan, I, I know, but you know, it's no, just, oi. it hasn't grown no, out no, a bit, no, mate. Like, oh. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, mate, he's <laughs> got you. He's got you. Yeah, he's got have the you curl. He's... With the wax tips, have you been there? You're going there, though, next yeah. weekend, aren't you? Yeah. What? That's what they all say. <laughs> Go for it, buddy. It. Sorry, mate. Um, Instagram handle, business plug, do whatever you need to do, mate. Then ask your question. Just with um, the whole edging in on a new block, like, are you looking for like a high vantage point where you can like see and hear where they are, um, so then you can sort of map it from there? Right, right. Today, like pre-rut, look, well pre-rut. We've sort of got three weeks before they make a bit of noise. So yeah, we are looking for vantage points to look, to look, right. Come rut time, if it's a rut or leading into it, certain animals are going to make a little bit of noise. So you're also looking for those vantage points where you can hear down this valley, hear down the next valley. And that all depends on how much wind's blowing too on those days, you know what I mean? So it's sort of like those real windy days you hear two-fifths of fuck all compared to those quiet mornings, cool quiet mornings. You can hear them over there, up there in the next gully if it's a rut. Before the rut, you've just got a glass. You've just got to rely on glass. Be patient, glass heaps. Look on those. If it's cold, look on those sunny faces. If it's hot, look in the shade, so to speak, if you know what I'm saying. And Try, and, trying to get as high and get yeah. the, as many different directions as, yeah. as sort and, of you and can. Pay, and pay, pay attention to the travel routes, the, the game trails that we see. Pay attention to those, like the blackberry bushes I was showing you today. You can see how many leaves were missing. All the berries down low were gone. Yeah, so, yeah those ones at the top there. Yeah. Yeah, that's the ones. You'd probably be pissing out your yeah. ass tomorrow because Mick sprayed them. We forgot to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. They did taste a bit what, uh, <laughs> To follow yeah. it. Um, but I, I don't know, does that make sense? What 
I'm sorry to say in there, like, is yeah, it? Yeah, it does, mate. Yeah, just depending on when you're getting in, oh, into it's the block. Be closer, yeah. 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 So if you honestly, if you can drive, drive, and 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 look for your game trails on the saddles, look for your game trails through fences, look for like even glass and look at them open faces. You'll see a game trail cutting up through a, a grassy ridge, and then you got to work out whether that's roos, goats, cattle, deer, what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And then just with the driving, like if you know that property's been hunted before. And it's been guys in cars. Oh, yeah, righto. Would you avoid just avoid driving completely yeah, then? Yeah, probably. If they're driving around in side besides cars, try and mix it up so it's, you're not the same as what's. They'll what cotton the onto that to. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and if it's those places, once you find a good spot, do not leave it. Once you find everything there, that's the sign, the shit, the trails, the rubs, the scrapes. If you're in that sort of vicinity and there's no deer there, get the wind right, get yourself in a good posse where you sort of. Semi-covered and don't leave it. Yep. Don't don't walk away from an area that's heavily pressured when the sign is so good. Because sooner or later, shit's going to come in there. That and that's where your patience takes over. Like you just got to, you know, as a bow hunter, it's hard enough hunting deer. Like every yeah. step you take, you sort of even come like middle of the day yep. sort of thing. Like you've been out there early morning, it's getting on. Just yeah. Just stay if it's pre-rut, if it's pre-rut, like you, you got to think about the amount of scent you're putting down. You yep. limit the amount of set you're putting down out there, like limit the amount of Ks, even if you've got to backtrack and walk down the same trail you've walked up on, instead of doing a big loop, if you do a big loop, you put scent in that sort of area, right? If you do a lock and L shape and then come back out the same way, yeah, you mightn't cover the country, but you've you've limited, you've limited, oh, I can't even get it out. Limited, limited. yeah, because they can't, Give me black, can't I want blackfish next. <laughs> <laughs> Give me back the blackfish. <laughs> limit. Oh, you're on reds. Yeah, I am. Oh, limit, no. limit the amount of scent you put out there, and gla like glass heaps, like just slow it down in glass heaps. That's all, you know. Yeah. I, I sort of don't, know, and don't walk away from those good spots. Smithy, you, to follow on from Alice's uh, question, there, you found, you found, like, what's your perfect setup? So you've found a good buck. Yeah. Um, like, what in your eyes? What's your perfect setup? Like, what are you wanting that buck to do? Oh, I want him to be in an area where wind's hopefully a little bit consistent. Come to the end of Yarrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wind's a little bit consistent. You got to, if the wind's not consistent, you, you, honestly, you're dicing. You've got, you got to stay your distance. If the wind's not consistent, you've got to stay distance, right? And what I mean by that is it's no use being into 50 yards if the wind's inconsistent because it's, sooner or later it's going to blow his way and he's going to get it. If you're 300 yards away and you're glassing him, the wind's inconsistent, it, it, it blows his way for 10, 20 seconds. Well, the chances are it's not going to travel all that 300 yards in a straight line. Because it's that inconsistency, it's going to duck down, lift up, depending on the thermals, all that sort of stuff. So I'd watch from a distance until things are perfect. And, and when I say perfect, there's enough cover. There's the lack of animals to allow you to get, close that gap. Yep. And you've got enough cover, to, and the wind's perfect to get in there. So through things... Wind's got to be good. Limit the amount of eyes that can see you, and have enough cover to make that ground to get that get the job done. It, go, it goes again to your percentages that you, you know, yeah. that you said earlier. Yeah, if you, know, you can't they do all of us, like yeah, if you can't see any of that, or if the wind's a bit dicky, that, stay your ground. Look, if he's the one you want to hunt, don't and it's not perfect. Do not go in there. Like you're better off just watch. If you've got time, watch him. If you've only got that afternoon. And you're not going to be back there for four weeks. The rut's going to be over. Oi, oi, have a crack. 
All right, but if you've got a, if, you, if it's the first day of a seven day hunt, you find the one you want, conditions aren't right, do not go in there. Just stay back, watch, see what happens. Because fallow are territorial. We're talking about fallow now because we're here on this hunt. Fallow are pretty territorial. They use, they'll have a number of scrapes and they'll be in that same vicinity unless they get pushed out by a bigger buck or by pressured by hunters, if that makes sense. When are you setting up for a rattle? Because obviously that's a cool thing to do. Everyone's saying on, on Early. Uh, everywhere. But yeah, give us your, I guess, just rough couple of scenarios where you would Rattle. Be. Well, right. So if I set up for a rattle, a lot of times I'd, I'd like to rattle near a scrape. One, because that scrape is what's going to, it might be theirs, right? It's like a territorial thing. It's going to draw into that area and it's going to pull them those deer up, right? If you call away from a scrape, you might drag a deer past you going to another scrape and it might, he mightn't pull up. He might just keep, honestly, yep. charging straight past you. Yep, they do. So the problem is when you, whenever you call anything, doesn't matter if it's deer, hogs, foxes, whatever, they seem to pinpoint you a lot more than what. We hear something croak, we hear something squeal, we hear something whatever. We we just sort, we know a vicinity rough, rough yep. where it is. But if deer seem to know exactly where you are, pigs seem to know exactly where you are, foxes are the same thing. So if you do call, try and make it so it's fallow or good because the scrape will pull them up and they will come to a scrape if it's theirs. Some, some will come trotting straight past, not even pay attention. One good tip you gave me years ago was like get that bit of fallen timber or something oh. there where it has to come in and turn sideways, yeah, well, like I, turn that broadside sort I was, of thing. I was going to get to that. Yeah. Was, so if I'm calling, I've gonna have, I'm going to have a bit of foreground cover. There might be a few trees so I can draw, they can go behind and I can draw back. But I'll also make sure I've got missing ground or I've got a big, like a, a heap of cover behind me so they've got, they can't see through it. They've got to go around it to look. And if I find a fallen tree, like we talked about, near a scrape, there's not too many deer that are going to come to a fallen tree with big branches laying out horizontal to the ground. They're not going to go through it. They're going to come up to it and think, oh, I can't go there. I'm going to, I'm going to turn left or right to go around it. And then all of a sudden, you're not going to, you haven't got a front on shot. You've got a, or a quarter on shot. You, they'll start turning. They'll give you that broadside shot or that angling away shot. You know, so. Are you ever calling when, the, you ever rattling when there's not a scrape? Ah uh, no, no, yep. no, never. Yep. So you 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 really basing that territory? Like you're basing that buck being territorial. Yep. Someone's fucking oh, around. If it's scrape. if it's rooster, I mean, sorry, if it's chittle or fallow, it's oh, I'll never try and rattle nowhere near a scrape. So that's obviously a pretty good note to take. To right. take. Like it's yeah. There is a plan. There's a the scrape. The scrape's there to pull them up to give you that angle. There's because that, they'll, it'll pull them up and hopefully they'll put their nose to the ground. They'll if it's a chittle, they'll preach on that tree. I'll drop back down and hopefully give you the angle. While they're preaching, if if you're in the right location, you, you'll be able to draw back undetected and hopefully they'll land the right way or vice versa with, with fallow. Hopefully they'll come into that scrape, put their nose down, they'll scrape, twist around, and that'll give you, you know, all the trees that you've got in front of you will give you that chance to draw back on that buck that's coming in. So, Matty, who's the next victim? That's... Yeah, I think what you're saying, like, as you were talking about before, like, you don't want to be shooting stuff front on. I try and, not uh, to. You know, unless it's that real, real, real close, close. Yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So if you can get them to turn, if you can get them to... Yeah. If you can plan your setup a little bit... Well, it, don't don't get me wrong, I've got, I've got no quarries in shooting something front on if it's 15 yards or less. Look, honestly, if it's 30 yards and it's a deer, or 25 yards, you are lucky to get that arrow to sink in there. 
hunting the deer I know because most of them deer they're focused your way, their ears are faced this way. You want to have a dead quiet bow and, a, and like an arrow that's not just whizzing through the air. It needs to be dead quiet. Like not, you won't get a dead quiet arrow in the air because it's breaking atmosphere, but you, you know, you want to limit the amount of noise it makes. But and just arrows are so slow. People don't realise how slow an arrow is. Well, if you're yeah. at 30 yards away and you're going to shoot me, I could get out of the way. You know, if I if stand I stand over there, huh? Stand over there, mate. Easy. <laughs> no, but if you flagged it down, like you've got that time because it's 300 feet per second, not 3,000, 300 know. feet per second, yeah, well, which is effing set. slow. 300 feet is 100 metres in a second. Yeah. Right. That's slow. I can't run that fast, but it's, it's slow compared to other things, and their reaction time is so much better than, like it's you know in the hundreds of a second. Yeah, you got, the, but you the got less than a blink of an eye they can right. react. Oh, and I'm going to tell you one thing here that most places don't think they're 300 feet a second. Yeah, a second out, it's not doing 300 feet. It's yeah, it's, it's slowing down. dropping off. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, we. Oh, that's a fast arrow. And it's, make, it's making more noise through that air. It's displacing more air. Morgan over there going, no, that's a slow arrow. <laughs> I just want to sort of add something to that. Like, if you're standing at 20 yards yep. from a, a target butt, yep. and you've got someone shooting, and you hold your hands alert, you can clap nearly twice before that arrow gets there at 20 yards. And, like, deer uh, and animals have reaction time way faster than humans. Yeah, we're we're doing that tomorrow. Yeah. That's cool. I've never, I've never heard that. Oh, right. yeah. That's you can actually hold your hands ready to clap, and you can clap nearly twice before that arrow hits it. This might seem pretty bloody simple, but obviously you can't hunt what you can't see or find. Now, pins and binos are a bit like bum holes. Everyone's got one. But just a couple of weeks ago, I was in hunting camp and was lucky enough to be able to have a look through a set of the new Zeiss SF 10x42s. Look, I'm going to be really honest with you. I've been a Suara fan for many years now, but I really like what the Zeiss offers in the lens quality and other features, which I'll discuss in an upcoming episode. So after Christmas, I think an order is coming Zeiss's way from the Secret Hunting Fund account. So look, I know there's a lot of choice out there when it comes to binos, but there really is only a couple of contenders when it comes to the top level. I'm not going to say that it's going to suit everyone's budget or needs, but as they say, buy once, cry once, and don't tell the wife or the hubby. Please, I understand that it doesn't suit everybody, but if you're looking for the top end or just simply want the best, do yourself a huge favour. Jump onto osaustralia.com.au and find your local Zeiss stockist and check out the SF range of binos. You're not going to be disappointed. Doesn't matter if you're doing 300 or you're doing 260, like it's not... That's the one thing that gets me is like, you know, speed is everything and, you know, people want to get more arrow speed, like get an extra 10 feet per second. There's no well, American no, no, difference. No, no, no. I was going to say, well, you put 10 feet per second over a second, right? Just say something 30 yards and you're 10 feet a second difference, right? So you're nearly a third of what? Like you're only three metres difference. Yeah. Like, honest to God, it's not, it's not too far, you know what I mean? And you're a fraction of a second, 30 metres, if it takes 300 feet a second... That's 100 metres for a second travelled, right? Our 20 yards is like a quarter of a second or... Fifth of a second? Three-fifths mm. of fuck all, two-fifths of fuck mm. all. It's like, you know what I mean? It's You're only talking yards, not 10 yards. We're talking... Yeah. Like a couple of yards difference. 
yeah. couple of feet difference. Yeah, but it makes no, yeah, it makes no difference. No. Like they're, like, what we think is fast, deer think is slow. <laughs> like, they're just, it's yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. Unknown, uh, unknown distance or, or unknown the, distance, the thing yeah. moves or something yeah. like that. No. no. Yep. But but most people will buy a fast bow because they think it'll get the arrow there faster yeah. and it'll, you know, they'll be able to outsmart the deer. Yeah. Pretty much. Exactly. Or if you're not aiming the right spot. Right. Mm. Yeah. 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 It just magnif it magnifies that. Fast miss is still a fast miss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, buddy. Right, so we have a real young keen bow on our ear, and I've been in his shoes before. Yeah. When I Deadly was this cavity. age, to be able to ask, like, some, yeah, the legends of the sport some questions, and <clears throat> some young fellas don't get that opportunity. I was lucky enough, lucky enough to. So, how old are you? And oh, you've been here all day, and I, I forget your name, but sorry, Kobe. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm oh, hopeless oh. with names. Hey, that, that, that's my fault. I, I'm running this place, and I I had yeah. I had 13 yeah, tags, and I didn't have one. And I thought, well, Kobe's the only young Kobe. fellow. We'll yeah. all remember his name, but obviously Matt missed that. I'm hopeless with names. So, ask anything you want. Um, I'm Kobe. Is Matt may not know. And yeah. Instagram. <laughs> What's the Instagram handle? What's the Instagram um, handle? I'm 14. And I wish I could think of a better question, but when shooting a bow, does breathing, your breathing play much into your shot sequence? Mate, that's the best question today. That's the best question. That's you all the way. This is about you, though. Uh, to me, I don't think it makes a great deal Lay of difference. He's already got one. Um, the the reason no he's um, yeah sorry Kobe um, no sorry I don't think breathing sorry, makes a big difference um, obviously if you're someone who I think you need to hold your breath when you're at full draw because that slows everything down but the big thing with that is if you're someone who's taking ten seconds to hold your breath and you're holding it full draw then your shot sequences or your your shot's going to break down your your steadiness is going to be a bit of a problem. All right? uh, most people will, you know, draw their breath as they draw their bow and then hold it while they shoot because that just calms everything down and then they'll shoot and then they'll start breathing again. Right? Um, that's probably what you need to look at. Look, you know, as I said to you today, you're a stone cold killer. You were out there trying to, you know, smash people's knocks and stuff like that today. Um, and I think you'll, I think you'll go well. Um, and yeah, you, your shooting is really good and stuff. Breathing, I don't think it plays as important a part as a lot of other things. Yeah. yeah. It's just in hunting situations, sometimes you hold for a long, long time. And I know I've seen some people hold their breath and they just tremble and yep. their shot goes all over the place. But Yeah, and that's, a, that's what I'm saying. That. Like, that's a big problem. Like when you're hunting and stuff, um, you need to be able to, if, you're, if you've drawn on something and that animal has then just walked behind a tree or something and you're staying at full draw, you need to be able to back off from your bow and actually breathe and continue to do that. And then once that animal clears the obstacle, 
then get back onto your shot. Thanks. Pass it on to your old man. He'll have one. Right, that's that's two fouls in a row. Yeah, they could be thirteen. There's plenty more. Odds aren't good. No, I can't. I'm dyslexic. I've got a related question. Obviously, when you're stalking and when you're new at bow hunting, your adrenaline is really high. Uh, again, when you're at full draw and you're trying to calm your heart rate down and sort of still yourself, does breathing play an important part? Or do you sort of try and take a deep breath and let it go and just calm yourself? Or how do you sort of manage that? Yeah, most, nerves? most definitely. Like, that's the, the biggest thing. Because as we know, any time you, you know, you, you get close to anything, you're heart rate goes up the adrenaline just dumps into your body a lot of the time and you just yeah you're shaking that um it's a little bit like what we talked about earlier about having a shot sequence and stuff if you can do something that's repeatable beforehand and practice that which is a deep breathing or any relaxation sort of thing um you're going to be able to calm yourself a lot better than someone who doesn't do that um i was saying to a couple of blokes earlier today i was really lucky when i was a kid in Year seven, our homeroom teacher used to teach us breathing exercise, relaxation exercises. So in summer and that, we'd come in after lunchtime, and there's obviously a class full of boys. He'd all lie us down on the ground, we'd do relaxation exercises. And I'm, I'm sure, well, I'm sure it was more for his benefit than ours, for sure. <laughs> but ever since then, I, I still remember that, and I can still, in a breath, just relax myself when I'm shooting. Or, or doing anything now. Um, so I think it's a really good skill to have and it's a really good thing if you can master that. But it's something like anything when you're shooting, you can't just turn it on right then when you want to. You need to actually have practiced it beforehand so that when it comes to that stressful situation, you're able to do it. But yeah, two breaths, one breath, and I can, you know, still shake like, you know, shake like anything if uh, anything, anything decent comes along. But I'm able to calm that down and, you know, just just focus in on what I've got to do, I guess. All right, pick another victim, Matty. I think Kyle had a, had a question over here, but yep. it was related back back a bit further, but right. he wants to jump back. Yeah, just to go back a little bit when we were talking about, um, like, you're lucky enough to be on a block and it is the rut and it's all sort of happening and everyone's... You know, we spoke about it today, move slow. You've got a buck that's croaking and you manage to like friggin' belly crawl down over like six hours to get down to this thing and you get down there. And then when you finally get down to that 20 or 30 yards, it's not him on his own. He's got like 20 girls down there. And all of a sudden you realize you're dealing with like not one set of eyes, but you're dealing with like... He's moving, he's going up and down, he's going mental and the, the girls are kind of like moving around all the time as well. That sort of situation when you're looking at that, how are you trying to kind of analyse or work out like what's the most important thing there? Like you've got girls going everywhere, you've got the big boy, he's doing his thing, but you're kind of concentrating on him because he's what you don't want to spook, but at any stage it's like you do one of those girls and, and you're done, you know? Like, Well, yeah, it's just the same thing, mate. You keep everything slow, smooth, slow motion. 
Yeah. All your movements have to be. Is it black? Yeah. Blackfish. No, it's just like I said. Just make sure if, if you spend all that time to get in there. The biggest yeah. thing is you make make sure you pick the right location to be. So and and have try and picture what might happen in your head. So if he's moving back and forth, that's where your scrapes come into it. Like especially that time if he's got girls. Like sooner or later he's going to be back over it, grunting, moving around. He might give you the right angle, but sooner or later he will. You know and like. Your situation, and this is your setup. Like you need to set up, is so critical, so you can't get busted by these does. You don't want to be silhouetted. You don't. You want to make sure you got something in front of you. Hopefully something behind you, and you're just part of what's there, not, not like a pimple on a bum. If that makes sense. Like you don't want to be, you don't want to be standing out. You want to be. You want to try and blend in. Like, and that'll that, that'll happen if you keep everything like. All your movements slow and calm and just be patient and, and sooner or later, if you know you get within 30 and you know sooner or later he's going to come back to that scrape. And it's the same as that, you have your bow up ready. If you've got to draw it, like get tension on the string. If you know he's going to come in there, like be two steps ahead of him all the time. He's coming back over, he's turning around, he's coming back into that scrape. Get the tension on there, place, play the scenario through your head, have the bow out in front of you so all you've got to do is slowly draw back. It's only one movement, that, that's an arm. And this is why I'm saying, like, blokes are a little bit different to chicks when they hunt. Blokes have got an ego where they need to shoot 70 pound, 80 pound, blah, 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 right? And they try and shoot, a lot of blokes are over poundage. Like, they, they will try and draw back. They can't draw back. They, they, they grit, grin, they draw differently. It's, they can't draw it easy. If you, what you need to be able to do is draw your bow back nice and smooth. And if you can't release it or ease it down nice and smooth, you're shooting too much poundage. And, it, and it's going to bite you on the ass in the road, I can tell you now. Because you will draw back plenty of times, and then you'll be stuck and there'll be deep moving around. you thinking, oh, I've just got to hold it. And then you've got to think in your head whether I'm going to take that shot, hold it, they're going to bust me if I draw, let down. You know, if you can do things smooth and let down nice and easy. And then you bang the arrow on the riser on the way down, and then Yeah, but done. then we've got to... <laughs> who, who's bow today to do it? Why did you do that on? We're going to... I was going to put a strip on someone in the front of someone's bow. Someone that bow. Who was that? Don't know. Yeah, it's a couple of moves. Yeah. yeah. We'll get we'll get the glue on it in the morning. We'll put a strip on the front. So if you, well, what I'm talking about there is, 90 percent of the bows out now have got hamskies. They're not a containment rest. So they've got a cage around them, but they don't stop anything hitting the side of the riser. So if you let down, or and it's an aggressive cam, the arrow can fling off that rest, bang against the cage, come back against the riser, make a tink, make a noise. All right. Same thing is if you've got a containment rest, depending on what you've got. If you ease down, some will stay up, others will drop away. You need to have either a strip of leather or something at the front of your riser. Just glue there. You don't need to have a, a, a felt shelf that catches burrs and everything. You just need to have it at the front of the riser because of the angle your arrow is at. That's all it hits. It doesn't lay across the riser flat. It just hits the front of it, if that makes sense. So you need to make, make sure you have... Yeah, either leather or a bit of rubber or something at the front that can stop that arrow doing that. So someone asked me to do it today and I didn't do it. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> one, I only had one job. Wallace. No, I only had one job and I said done. <laughs> <laughs> so I made to for the same thing. <laughs> Let down and it just banged against the road. Yeah, but you know yeah. what I'm coming at, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying is, like, you need everyone, you need to be able to draw back nice and smooth and you also need to be able, one of the main things is to, is to let down nice and, nice and smooth as well. One Especially of the things in, with buying a, a speed scenario. bow and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. The speed bow is they're hard enough to draw, but they're really hard to let down. Something's oh. got to, you know, yeah. We, we had a bloke up north this year, and look, even if I was standing or where you are, Andy, if, you, if I was standing where you are and I might let down this year, I would have nearly copped an arrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Fuck. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah it was scary. Yeah, yep. You, I, I had to give myself about three metres. Yeah. Circumference around him to be safe. Yeah. The old rule of thumb with, like I got taught, was if you can't sit on the ground with your legs out in front of you and draw your bow back comfortably, you're overbounded. It's a big thing. You try it. Well, we might even try it tomorrow. Yeah. Get everyone sitting on their ass and trying to draw it back like that. Yeah. And mo most women, like when they shoot it, if it's too over, if they got to struggle to pull it back, they don't want to shoot it. It's not mm. comfortable. And that's why they outshoot us most of the time because they'll only shoot something that's comfortable. Their release is way better. Everything's, it's easy, it's smooth, it's. As you said, they've got no ego and they actually listen yeah, to what, you, what they they're do. told and they just do yeah. it. Uh, they, hey? they know. They, they can see on the target, or yeah. well, my missus can anyway. <laughs> but like getting back to that too high poundage. Like, yeah. You might draw it back and you can't let it down like we, we've seen with a, a few blokes, but. In some scenarios, you might draw back on a critter five times and you have to let down smoothly. Yep. So that high, if you can't let it down smoothly, like that slow movement like we were talking today, it's not going to, yeah. Even it, just the energy to, to, yeah. to, to draw your bow back, yep. you know, five times, but to let it down, it's, it takes a lot more energy to let it down. By yep. the time you're drawing it back to six time, you know, mm -hmm. especially if it's within a minute or, you know, mm -hmm. two minutes. In, and that's probably, probably a good exercise, like instead of yeah. just going up and shooting your bow the first arrow, go and shoot it four or five times, oh, go and draw it back four or five times and then and let yeah. down and then shoot it after all that and then see if you can, yeah, do it. Who we got left? Brendan Avery. All right. He's got a... Okay, I'll get I'm going to have to start going to Yeah, I know. Well, I guess this is a bit of oh, a yeah, two-part thing, because i um, just <laughs> like to say thanks. Someone's going to get this show uh, on the road. Are we, are we listening now? Or? Yeah, we're just going. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Uh, it's a bit of a two-part thing, so I'd just like to say thank you for what you've been teaching us the whole day and through the weekend, because um, I probably wouldn't have learnt and been picked on in a proper way to actually learn as I have here, because it's, it's different shooting in front of mates. They, just, they don't pick the technical difficulties that you sort of have so so i appreciate that but um what would you when we go away from this what would you say is a um necessity to practice even if we can't get away on hunts every weekend every two weeks sort of thing like at home a couple of meters what's a necessity to sort of practice for me what i think you all should leave here with either two or three things and nothing more of what you should be practicing Right, so we, we try not to, you know, give you too much information that you, you know, we're rewriting everything. And, and fitting, most of you shoot really well to start with, and we've only really 
fine-tuned a couple of things. Some blokes we haven't even done much to, right? In including yourself. And like, we haven't really done much to you. Just a lot of these things, you can come here and you just, even just getting confirmation that you're doing the right thing yeah, is a, a big thing. A big, that's a big one. Yeah. yeah. But you, there's no one here that's, you know, um, we need to just strip you down and build you back up again. So most of you should just leave here with two or three things to practice on and that's it. That from a, a shooting point of view. Probably the biggest thing too is like don't go don't go away. Like just shoot good arrows when you practice. Don't if I can say anything, like don't try and shoot fifty or hundred arrows a day if they're not all good. Like I'd rather shoot ten or twenty good arrows, leave it at that, than shoot fifty and then or a hundred and then like not concentrate on every shot. And you Crap turn yourself habits. into a bad habit or whatever, you know what I mean? So Yeah, I find that if I I sort of end up going, oh, one more arrow and I'll go sort of thing. Yeah. Ends up being probably the shittest one I've shot. And yeah. I keep trying to benefit on that and get better. Well, don't, sh don't shoot. How many, how many arrows do you shoot at a time? I'd just say, like, if you're at the range or something like that, if I actually want to practice, I'll be there for a couple of hours. So. But how many arrows do you shoot in a oh. sit? Like, do you shoot a whole five or ten? Or do you no, shoot I just, two? I'd just shoot a quiver. So it'd be like five and then I'd go get them. Well, halve. Have a rest. Yeah. I'd say halve it and make, or just shoot two good arrows. Yep. Make, and always make sure... Like, practice on your first arrow. Your first arrow you shoot every day should be your best arrow you shoot. That's a hunt situation. It's not It's not a target. Don't, you, you can't warm, warm up to hunt, if that makes sense. You can warm up to shoot 3D, get yourself worked out. In a hunting situation, you need to be able to shoot a cold arrow. And that's that's your most important arrow you shoot, is your first arrow every day. Like, don't just, oh, just see how this feels. Like, fucking... Go through the whole, go through through your shot sequence like Brad taught you today, and execute it how you want it. Like concentrate on it. every shot, concentrate on every shot. Don't just repetition. Well, repetition's good on blank bailing because you're learning to shoot this and that. But just, I'd rather shoot ten or twenty good arrows than shoot a hundred arrows and eighty percent of them are good. If that makes sense. Yeah, I understand. It's that. Probably one of the best bits of advice. Like that first arrow, it should be what you should shoot. Like you know, that's the the that's thing your, the mo the thing you most can concentrate on. Because, sorry, but I'm just in the middle of the smoke. But if you if you're hunting quite often, you get up in the morning, it's dark. You you know you're off like driving to where you're going to go or wherever. You don't get to have a practice arrow or anything like that. You know, so that first arrow should be the best. Years ago, I used to shoot one arrow kneeling down. That was my first arrow, and I'd just shoot that one arrow just to see that I could do it. You know. I just found that I used to kneel a lot in those days. More smoke coming in, mate. Yeah, great. Would you say any um, distance is a necessity? All come around this side and blow distance. that fire Yeah, like away. just say um, uh, shooting at 20 consistently or like you should be able to shoot consistently at 30 or something like that? No, I, I, I'd say practice, practice at the furthest distance you can because that'll show your flaws, right? I don't shoot a lot of distance because most of my shots, if I, I still... I, over all this time, I still haven't killed a deer past 30 yards, right? And I, I'd rather, because I know if I keep everything under that, it's it's done and dusted. There's no, and I enjoy it, you know. If if they get, uh, if they run away, if I spook them, if I fuck up somehow, they're counting on to me. Well, so be it. They won the day. But it just, and and that's been discipline, you know. And I do practice most of my shots, 30 yards and under, but. I can see the benefits in shooting 80 yards, 90 yards, because if you've got flaws in your shooting, 
that'll teach you to, that'll make all those clay shots seem a lot easier. You know, if you know what I mean, you'll, you practice out there and you can sort of, you rein your groups in, you, you bring them into 40 and under, you should be sort of dialed, you know? Yeah, because yeah, you can a, go through your process well sort yeah. of thing at that, yep. at that range. Just make sure every shot that you shoot on a range when you're practicing counts, don't. Yeah, it don't. should, that's what I was about to say, like if from a sh purely shooting perspective, if you're going to shoot 60 yards or 80 yards or whatever, that's fine. Use a effing big target so that your pin doesn't move out of that and you can just shoot it, all right? You need to be comfortable with it. The more, the further distance you shoot and the smaller sort of, you know, things you're going to try and shoot, if you're going to do that regularly, you're going to really bring yourself into some anticipation, some target panic issues, all right? If you're going to shoot 80 yards, fine, but just shoot it on a big blank bale and just watch those arrows fly, all right? But when you really want to dial in your gear, that's when you start, you know, aiming small and, you know, aim small, miss small sort of thing. But the majority of your shooting should be done at something that's a big target that your, your pin is not going to float out of or whatever. So you're just nice and relaxed and you can actually just shoot, um, yeah, shoot your shot, basically. Yep. Yeah. No, that's if good. that makes sense? Yeah. But, um, yeah, appreciate everything you're doing for this this weekend. So it's good. Thanks for coming all the way from uh, Brisbane on such short notice. Or where are you? Not in Brisbane. Yeah. Righto, we're going to put Andy on the mic here. Well, the big out. man. The local. I thought I had the biggest draw length, but <laughs> Andy comes. And... Um, question for both of you. What, you've been doing it for a long time, what keeps you motivated um, to teach people and what keeps you motivated to keep hunting? For me, the thing that keeps me motivated to teach people is because I remember what it was like when I started and Mick and I were talking about it like oh, when I started there was no internet there was just you got a magazine every you know couple of months there was some archery clubs and things but it, the, the information like these things just didn't happen you know there was no um, so I learnt, I was really lucky I, I joined a club that had a coach who was looking back was horrible but he was the best at the time and it was really good. And he took me sort of under his wing and taught me a lot. And I wouldn't have progressed and enjoyed archery as much. Because I, I see, you see a lot of people that start off and, you know, they, everyone comes to an introductory thing and they can shoot the, you know, shoot the, oh, they feel really good. And then they get a bow and then there's no follow-up and they start shooting crap and they just leave the sport. I was lucky that didn't happen because I had him, I had Wayne to sort of, you know, bring me along and he took me out hunting and all that sort of stuff. So I, I really progressed really quickly and really enjoyed it because of that. Yeah. And I just don't want to see people, other people miss out on that sort of opportunity. So I just want to, you know, help people out as much as I can to give them the same, you know, pass on the knowledge that I've got and get them going because it's such a great sport. You meet so many great people, like all you blokes here have all come Half of you, you know, most of you don't know each other and you're all going to go away knowing each other. You're all going to hook up on social media and stuff. A lot of you are going to form little groups and go out hunting and all that together, all from this weekend. You don't know it now, but you will because it happens every time we do these sort of seminars. Yeah. It's just, it's awesome. That's what keeps me going. And hunting-wise, I just not like it. What's the question? 
<laughs> no. Too many rats. <laughs> no. Like I said, no. I, I don't know. I just I hunt because it, it it feels right. That's it's probably the most natural thing for me to nearly do. You know what I mean? Besides eat. Yep. And drink. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we are hey. Smithy and <laughs> I. Bit, hey. Smithy and I had this conversation at Christmas time. We we're in the buggy drinking beers, and we come back from a pretty good morning, and then, yeah, um, you know, Smithy shot a good ball in that, and I think. Like our conversation was along the lines as like we actually would know what else to do, is probably the better way to put it. Like we're, it's just, well, it feels know, so right. Yeah, yeah, it feels right. right. You just everything like you know. Like and like, side. and what? Like I've always shared information. Like I, I'm not. Uh, how to say? It. I'd rather see. I'd rather see most other blokes succeed than me. Because if, yep. if I'm part of it, it, it's it's I'm part of it. Yep. It doesn't have to be me. I'd rather look. Honestly, everyone I hunt with, I'd rather see them shoot something than me shoot something. Well, I'm, well, I'm testament to that because I've known Smitty for a long time. That's what it's been like, hasn't it? He's probably and watched you like, shoot a lot of stuff. Oh, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm happy for everyone to do do all right, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're all out there for the same reasons, and it's not – I'm not a jealous bloke. I'd rather see – I want to say rather. I just, I'm just happy to be part of everything, you know? Yeah. Whether I shoot it or not, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Just like if I'm there and I can witness, you know, I can be with someone that does something and it's like – yeah, it's pretty special. Yep. It, it it feels good. Like I always say to people, like, you know, organise these weekends or, you know, day seminars and stuff. And it, don't get me wrong, it can be a hassle. You know, you're trying to get people to come and then, you know, you're dealing with money, you're setting everything up and all that. And you've, you're pretty exhausted coming up to it and doing the whole weekend. It's, you know, it's, you're on the whole time doing stuff. F and hell, you leave here, like I'll leave here on Sunday and I'm just floating on cloud nine because so happy because you've all had a really good time and like these, you've never had any of these things where people don't come and they've had a bad time. Like everyone has a good time, everyone's They're so happy and you just you just feel good because you've just done something for someone. They're hungry now. Everyone's hungry at the moment. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's wind her up. Let's wind her up. Who the, the, cook, the cook's down there. I've got to start cooking. We've got two here. Got a question? Bring her over. We won't be long. So this is probably one for the both of you. With just what I'm back to the information and with sort of the culture around bow hunting, especially in Australia, most of the media we consume, a lot of it's from the US. What would the pair of you like to see change or help improve the perspective to the general public around bow hunting, sort of reducing the stigma about it as with everything that's going on, you see... Peter jumping down our throats and governments wanting to change certain different things. What would you do to try and help keep the sport alive, I guess, is probably one way to put it, because it's sort of a bit under threat from certain different things. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, I think it's always been that way. That, and the problem is, years ago, Mark Ballard that was here that used to run the magazine at Bendemir, he always said to me that videos or films will be the downfall of bow hunting. All right. Because everyone's got di no, everyone's got different perspectives of how shit goes down, right? Of what what happens and that, this and that. Some people think that's the norm, like other people don't. It's like everyone's got their different opinions on stuff, all right? Nowadays, and then now the way social media has come about, everyone's got a camera, right? And look, look, you're dangling. Oh, 
I'll put my hand up because I'll film stuff for 30 years. So, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll put a lot of shit out there as well. But I, I sort of, I'm, I believe if I do something, I try, I try, I'm pretty disciplined in what I do. And I try and do it right. Like, I've got to wait. I don't need to shoot something to, to prove something. I don't need to shoot something. I don't want to shoot something to put it out there for everyone to see. I'm not like that. That's not me. I just want to make sure that if I shoot something, that one hour, that, the perfect shot's there. Like, if I don't do that, and look, yeah, I'm, I fucked up plenty of times in the past, but this is why I'm talking to you now and trying to explain shit to you now so you don't have to go through what I've done in the past because I learnt, I was self-taught, learnt the hard way. And the way what Mark said back there sort of resonates a little bit nowadays. And, like, I hate putting it out there for everyone to hear, but that's some of the stuff I see out there, I cringe at, you know. And everyone says, oh, the hunters need to stick together so we can do this. There's plenty of blokes out there I don't want to be, even be associated with because of what the way they go about shit. It, does, it sounds wrong, but it's sort of, you know. People hunt for different reasons. I, I, don't, I hunt because, I don't know, like I said, it feels right, you know. I like eating deer. I like, I like the whole aspect. I like providing food for... Like to, you know. I think, yeah, exactly what you're saying, and like social media, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. You know, there's the one thing about social media is it's up there and it needs to be instant and it needs to keep going all the time. Like back in the day before that, you'd have a magazine, you'd write an article, you'd send in really good photos and stuff, and it'd get published. You know, and that was it. It would just stay there. Now you can post a photo of something you shot in the head or whatever, and you know, blood everywhere. And you don't care about it because it went out and all your friends liked it. And then two days later, we're all onto something else. But there's other people that sort of can watch that and, and come back because it's still out there. It's just it's not, you know, it's not in your circle of friends because you've all moved on to something else. Yeah, people get that instant boost to their ego and instant gratification from social media and things like yeah, that. Like, I struggle with that sort of thing. But, the, you know, and I struggle with the other thing I struggle with is people calling what we do a sport because killing shit ain't sport. Mm. Sport is when you, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you play footy, cricket, tennis, golf, that's a sport. You, you know what I mean? Golf, mate. You want to hit balls around, you might as well. It's not, it's not, killing shit ain't sport. It's, it's a way of life to me. It's like, we wouldn't be here today if our, if our ancestors, ancestors hunt. didn't hunt, didn't provide food for our families. <clears throat> None of us would be here, right? All these so-called people today that want to turn their backs on that and that's what they're doing they're turning their backs on what got us to where we are like i struggle with that you know what i mean it's in us all to do what we want to do some people don't want to accept that can't see it but why stop the rest of us if we're providing food for our families and like we've done for hundreds and thousands of years well how how can how can you turn your back on that yeah, I can't wrap my head around it personally. No, I can't either. I think if you could get some of those people out, like we've been through that, and, and actually get them on the ground close to critters, and like for some of us that haven't been bow hunting for that long, like you definitely tap into something that you didn't know you had. Like it's a connection that like... Once, it's you, start, honestly, once you see it and like it's there. Once you start providing for your family and your yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah, it's... it's yeah, it's crazy. I think and if I've, you could get more people out to see it, then, yeah. I've been lucky. I've done a um, 
some of you might have all, you know, heard about the season, like the TV show that was sort of coming on and stuff. And it's all about sort of sustainable hunting and bringing hunting into a, you know, a better light. And that's why I really sort of, you know, wanted to get into it and get involved with it and things. And through that, I've met, um, you know, four or five different chefs um, that are wild game chefs. Like they just specialise in that sort of stuff. And I think that, like, you know, like, like Ross Omaris has put out a, a, a new book, Wild Game sort of thing. You know, I think if we all go out and buy that book, then that shows publishers and that, oh, there's a, you know, there's a thing that everyone's interested in, let's get, and that's where it sort of comes, it's that groundswell of people. Um, I've been doing this coaching thing for, you know, seven or eight years, and it's amazing over the last few years how many people are getting into bow hunting and that because they want to get their own meat, do all that sort of stuff. So I think if we can sort of, you know, um, keep that going, not worry about sort of, you know, hunters and anti hunters and stuff like that. I always say like these 10% of people that are hunters, 10% that are anti hunters, 80% in the middle don't really care. If we can all portray ourselves in a, in a good light and do the right things, you know, you sway those 80%, oh yeah, you can eat, did you know you can eat deer? Did you know we had deer in Australia? Do you know you can cook it like, you know, like this? All that sort of stuff, it just brings all those 80% that really don't give a shit whether we're hunters or not. But it brings them over to our side rather than the anti-hunting side that are all about, you know, oh, save the polar bears and stuff. And that's why I think your Building Better Bow Hunters program, the videos you've brought out, the whole, the whole system you've just come out with has been amazing for other hunters and for everyone getting into the sport. Blokes have been in it for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I still reckon they're just a worthwhile Go watch them, come to one of these courses, learn from you blokes, throw your ego out the window. You might think you can shoot. Just come and get your form picked apart. Like you picked a few things out of mine today. I thought I could shoot fine. Evidently, maybe not. No, well, you can't you can't you, you can you, shoot you're good, but there's always but it, you can shoot fine, but he's just he's making it making you're it better. aware that this is that you can improve on this. Yeah. Or you might be going down this avenue if you don't if you don't know of this. This, this problem could happen down the track. As you said, I think it was you that said before, like you don't know what you're doing wrong until someone yeah. from the outside steps in. Like yeah. I, I'm not the best shot, shot around either. And I've got mates that, you know, will critique me. And you need that. You need someone else to tell you. Like archery is one of the only sports where you don't have a coach. You pick up a golf club, what do you do? You go and see the golf pro, you know. You go to play footy, you got a coach, haven't you? Every other sport's got a coach, except for archery. Well, there's we a all lot, think when we you look around here, there's a lot of blokes that are self-taught. That's what you're saying. Yeah, but so, they think. But there's a lot of people out there that is not only self-taught, but they think they know it all, or they can solve their own problems. But most people can't solve their own problems because they can't see from the outside what they what they're doing wrong. And yeah, and as I said before, all of you shoot really well. There's just you know, it's a couple of little tweaks that we hope to make you just shoot a little bit better. Let's wrap this up. Yeah, we got to. Do you lucky you miss out, mate, unless you've got a really cracking question. You're good. All right, boys. I want to just thank everyone for your investment and time coming to support these boys doing this stuff. Um, I think that's the number one thing that probably helps you answer that question. I think if we're all doing the right thing out there, especially the perspective of me that gets to talk to a lot of people and travel the world doing this you know, awesome lifestyle, I think, you guys probably need to thank yourselves and, and kudos to you and, and appreciate the support of the boys. So 
Let's go and have a feed. Thank you. Right, our legends. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. Now, I want you to do us a massive favour. Each episode, if you think it's worthy, send it to a mate, maybe a non-hunter, and let's get it amongst the life and the passion that we as hunters enjoy so much. As always, if you'd like any information from today's show, please don't hesitate to contact us on any of our social media accounts, whether it be on Instagram or Facebook. Be sure to join us next week for another episode, and we look forward to sharing another story from Hunting Camp. Hooroo for now.